yes, Omega Watts in the house. Now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. And these are questions I ask myself when I question myself. Table fam, how are we feeling tonight? Hey, uh, if I have not had a chance to meet you, my name is Isaac. I'm the young adult pastor here at First Orlando and part of our leadership team here uh, at the table. What's up, Adrian? Good to see you, man. Uh, and here's my question for us tonight. Uh, have you ever gone to an apartment of somebody that you had never met before, before you showed up there? You, have you ever gone to an apartment of somebody, like, like showing up, so you got invited, so you're not just like going on random people's apartments, like, hey, can I come in? Not like that. Like you, got, you were invited there, but you had not met the host, you didn't know, you had not met in person yet. So that was kind of my experience um, whenever I first moved, I graduated high school and then went off to college, I'm from Texas, went off to college in Waco, Texas, to Baylor University, sick of bears. So when I was there in Waco, um, and I was trying to, I was a Christian, and I wanted to meet other um, Christian people and make Christian friends, so I'd gone to church, um, and I'm there for like my, one of my first Sundays there, um, they had talked about this thing called Life Group, right? And I'm like, okay, what's a Life Group? They're like, people gather in homes together, and they use their snacks, and there's prayer, and there's scripture, and there's hanging out, and I was like, oh, that sounds awesome, I want to do that. So like, here, sign this card. I'm like, okay, and I don't know where this card is going, and then here, this card, from this card, I get a text message um, from this girl named Elizabeth. So Elizabeth had invited me over because she was one of the life group leaders along with her co-leader, Joel. So we have Elizabeth and Joel. They invited me uh, to their group. So I show up um, to this group, and I'm honestly, I'm a little terrified. Have you ever gone to an apartment that you've never been to before? Like, you don't know what's on the other side of that door, right? You're like, oh, no. So I'm there, and I'm like, I have no idea what's about to happen. And here this door opens, and Elizabeth is awesome. So she invites me in, and Joel's there, and he's awesome too. So they invite me in, and I'm there, and I'm sitting um, in the living room, and then I get to meet other people like Ryan and Allison and uh, Matt and other people um, that are part of our life group. And then we're eating snacks, and we're laughing, and we're sharing stories, but it's also a little awkward because it's the first group. I don't know if you've ever gone to a life group before for the first time. You can, at times, you're just trying to feel each other out and get to know each other. But throughout the entire semester, it was incredible because what we ended up doing was talking about our lives together, reading the Bible together, eating snacks together, going to hang out and have dinner together, uh, praying together. I loved that life group. And then Christmas happened. And we broke for Christmas, and we're like, oh, no, I'm so, so sad. And, you know, we have to wait about a month to see each other again. So then we come back um, in the spring for this amazing life group that we had with Elizabeth and Joel um, that are leading it. And then we're in study of Scripture, and here this word comes up, and this word is predestination. And we're like, what is predestination? And Joel is like, oh, I'm a Calvinist. I know that word well. And we're like, uh, what's a Calvinist? He's like, Calvinists love the word predestination. And we're like, why? He's like, predestination means that God chooses you. And isn't that amazing that God chooses us? And then Elizabeth says, um, but what if God doesn't choose some people? And Joel says, well, then they weren't predestined. And Elizabeth says, that doesn't sound very fair. And Joel says, it's actually more fair than you realize, because if it was fair, everyone would be going to hell. And she's like, I know, but I think humans have a little more choice and more agency than that. And here, here Elizabeth and Joel are just arguing, right? And he's like, because you don't believe in Calvinism, because you're an Arminian. And she's like, what's an Arminian? And he's like, you are one. And she's like, I don't know what that means, right? And here we are with our group. We're just like that meme of like popcorn. We're just like this, back and forth, just watching mommy and daddy fight in the middle of life group. <laughs> But now, because Joel is explaining you know, Calvinism and Arminianism, right? And even though Elizabeth doesn't know she's an Arminian, Joel's like, you're an Arminian. She's like, okay, I don't care, but that's fine, whatever. Like, I believe we have agency in choosing God, and humans can have more free will than that. So then what happens in our group 
is we're not, no longer just listening to this debate, this argument going on. We are now start participating in this argument to where some of the group, after a few weeks, some of us are like, man, I think I'm a Calvinist, right? And we start wearing flannel and growing beards and drinking craft brew. That's inside joke baseball. If you know Calvinists, you know that's true, right? And then the other people, you know, are wearing sandals, right, and are Arminians. And our group just kind of divides in half along this, like, Calvinist-Arminian divide. And what was this really peaceful, harmonious, we love sharing our life together, life group and praying together and eating snacks, now became, every week that we would go, this incredibly contentious Calvinism versus Arminian debate, pick a side, you have to. It was no longer this peaceful, harmonious life group. So here's the question that I want to explore tonight, is how... Do we engage in theological conflicts? How do we engage in theological conflict? And so the word theological comes from the word theology. The word theology itself, theo, meaning God. Logi, meaning the thinking about or study of. So theological just means thinking about God, right? But as but thinking about God, it's not theoretical. Theology, if you think about it, it's actually incredibly personal. Right? Theology is not theoretical. Theology is actually very personal because, and here's why, because, um, do you know any LGBTQ plus friends? Theology and what Christians believe about God and who he is and what the Bible says about same-sex attraction is incredibly personal. Or have you ever known anybody or you yourself have ever gone through divorce? Theology is very personal. Right? What does the Bible say about divorce? What does God say about divorce? Does God still love me? I don't know. Right? The Bible says different things about it, not to, but I've, that's my, part of my story now. Am I a less than Christian now? It's very personal. Hey, what about this? Um, any females, women in the room? Woo! <laughs> I'm not, but. <laughs> right? See, sometimes women in church world, women in church world just feel less than. Right? You see a lot of dudes here on the platform, a lot of dudes just in leadership positions. You're like, man, but I've, I want to be a leader. Like, I want to I have responsibility in that way. Be, like, because I'm a woman, like, can I aspire to leadership? Like, is that okay? Is that not okay? Like, I want it to be okay because I have this gifting within me. Theology and theological conflict is very personal. Right? Or maybe for some of you, you know, you, ha- you grew up in church and your family grew up in church. Um, and you don't know if your siblings are Christians or not. You don't know if your siblings, your blood siblings, are going to heaven or hell. Theology is very personal, right? Or even this. We're sitting here there tonight, and we're asking ourselves, am I even a Christian? Am I going to heaven or hell? Do I have Jesus now or not? Theology is very personal. See, in all of these theological questions, it can create a lot of theological conflict depending on how you answer the questions that I just proposed, right? Because you, you've, you've experienced this. People have answered these questions in lots of different ways, right? And sometimes the ways that people have answered these questions have been incredibly hurtful to us because that's part of our story now. Does God not love me anymore? Can God love me? Can I even be a Christian? Right? See, in this conflict, see, in the, answering um, these questions in different ways creates conflict. And in this conflict, it can create obstacles. And now we have obstacles, we'll call them hurdles. So now we have hurdles between ourselves and each other, depending on how we answer these theological questions, right? Because these hurdles, they can exist person to person, right? So imagine, um, you know, this person over here, I mean, uh, is, um, you know, uh, believes one thing, and this person over here kind of believes the other thing. And now we're talking about it in group every single week now. And now what do we feel? We feel anxious. We don't, want to grow, we don't want to go to group anymore. 
Why? Because it brings a lot of anxiety because there's people that believe differently than we do. And we don't necessarily feel safe to kind of share uh, what we believe and kind of how we grew up and our upbringing, right? So we feel very anxious. Or for some of us, we start hearing somebody who disagrees with us theologically. We get angry. Or you know that person. They get really angry and you start arguing with them. Or they start arguing with you, right? And they start getting really angry. And you're like, why are you getting so angry? And they're like, I don't know because you're wrong, right? We've experienced this. Or for some of us, you know, let's say there's a new relationship, like a dating relationship or just a new friendship, and this person, you know, we start getting to know each other. And then now some of the how we answer these theological questions now start getting revealed. And then we're really like, oof, I think we're just in different spots on some of these issues. You guys have never experienced this, right, as you get to know people? Never, never. Everyone agrees all the time, right? So you start getting to know people, and now you start getting sad because how we answer these theological questions, um, we start, we're like, man, I don't think I can continue dating them. I don't think that I can continue being friends with them because we're answering these questions in very different ways. And I just don't want to have this conversation, this argument anymore. So that's kind of person to person creates hurdles. As well as theological conflict, it can create hurdles between people and God. Because here, because what does it mean to be a Christian and now um, with um, with how we think through theology, we're like, okay, well, being a Christian means you have to be this, and you have to be this, and you have to be this, and you have to be this. And somebody who says, man, I'm not any of that. I don't agree with any of that, so I can't be a Christian. How do we engage in theological conflict? You guys, you guys tracking with me? All right. So here, here's, how, here's how to start framing this question. Is we have to consider that there's a difference between primary issues and secondary issues. There's a difference between primary issues and secondary issues. Okay, so what is a primary issue? Well, we've been in a series called Messy Church where Paul is actually going to help us with, with laser-focused precision answer what is a primary issue. So if your Bibles are going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, verse 3, where Paul is answering with laser focus on what is a primary issue. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where he says this. He says, um, Therefore... I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord. Highlight that phrase. Jesus is Lord. Can you guys say that with me? Jesus is Lord. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Here's what Paul is saying. Okay, if you have the Holy Spirit, you are a Christian. And if you are a Christian, here's what you say and here's what you practice. We say Jesus is Lord, right? Jesus is Lord is a summary of what Christians believe. I love what Andy Stanley says where he says this. Hey, look, if a man can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, man, I just go with whatever that man says. If a man can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, I just go with whatever that man says. And that is Jesus, where Jesus himself identifies that he is God, that he is Lord. So if Jesus is Lord is a summary, let me, let me explain that a little more of what does that mean that Jesus is Lord. Let me explain a little bit more. What are primary essentials to Christian belief, right? Here's more of an explanation. Um, we have to start with who God is. God is Trinity. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? That is primary. Here's what's primary. is salvation by grace and not by works. Salvation by grace and not by works and through faith in Jesus. Here's what's primary. The birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I'll say that one more time. Here's what's primary. The birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And here's what's primary is the gospel. That God created the world for good 
that we are absolutely broken because of sin, that we needed a Savior who was Jesus, who, who came to rescue us and heal us of our sin, right? And now we have a new life in Jesus, and now we get to go and we get to tell people to bring healing to this broken world, right? Those are essential primary things. You can expand more on each one of those things of what I said, but that's essentially kind of a, a good framework for what is primary and what is essential to Christian belief. You guys tracking with me? Yes? Okay. It's important to understand this, what is primary and essential to Christian belief, because here are things that are secondary. If that's primary, then what are things that are secondary? Well, some of the things that are secondary are, like my, in my life group, what I experienced was, hey, well, does God choose us or do we choose God? Secondary. Um, gender roles. Are men and women equal or not? Secondary. Okay, what about baptism? Can, you know, maybe you grew up Catholic or maybe you grew up um, um, Presbyterian where you, they ba baptize infants, right? Secondary, all right? And in Baptist, you know, here at First Orlando, we practice baptizing adults. It's secondary. Um, what about engaging and accepting the LGBTQ plus community? Secondary. Okay, what about do tongues and prophecies and miracles still exist today? My charismatic friends, come on, right? <laughs> Woo, right? It's really hard for you to be quiet. Tongues and prophecies and miracles still exist today. It's secondary. Okay, what about this? Uh, can I still have faith while believing in science? Or maybe maybe said another way, is the earth 6,000 years old or is the earth or 7,000 years old? Or is it billions of years old? It's secondary, right? So here's this question. So how do we engage in theological conflict? And here's the big idea for tonight. We have to keep what's primary, primary, and secondary things, secondaries. And here's what's primary, and here's the big idea for tonight. Is that Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle. Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle, right? What is primary, what is essential is Jesus is Lord, and that is the only hurdle toward having right standing before God and belief in God and belief in Christianity. Is Jesus and Lord is the only hurdle. We need to be careful not to confuse secondary issues with primary issues. Right? We need to be careful not to confuse secondary issues with primary issues, right? And let me, let me, let me, I don't want to minimize secondary issues, though, because secondary issues are incredibly important, right? Secondary issues are, everything that I mentioned, is incredibly important to navigate and work through and ask questions and try to figure it out. But secondary issues, although they're important, they're not primary. And see, in what elevating secondary issues to be equal with primary issues, what happens is we start creating hurdles, unnecessarily. Why? Because we're elevating secondary issues with primary issues, and it creates hurdles. So whenever we say that Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle, here's what that does, and here's, here's where, uh, application point number one. Here's what Jesus is Lord does. Number one, it removes hurdles between people and God. When we say Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle, it removes hurdles between people and God, right? Because what it does is it keeps the gospel central. And I said it before, I'll say it again. The gospel central, the gospel is that God created the world for good, that God is creator. But because of that, we are fallen and we're sinful, right? And our first parents, Adam and Eve, they sinned, so we are broken and we are sinful because of that. And every single human being is born sinful into a sinful, broken world. You're like, why does my job suck? Well, it's because the world is sinful, 
Why is my boss terrible? It's because the world is sinful. Why can I can't be in a relationship, right, or have good relationships? It's because the world is sinful, right? Why is everything, nothing just seems to work? It's because the world is sinful. But we have hope in Jesus who comes in to restore things for the better, right? And now as Jesus heals us and restores us and we get to experience Jesus now and we get to experience Jesus forever, that we are sent together to heal the broken world and proclaim the name of Jesus, right? So if we say that, notice what I didn't say in all of that, right? Do you notice all the things that I, the secondary things that just are, are important but not primary and not essential with everything that I just said on what is primary and what is essential, right? So here's what Paul does. So we, we were, um, the original message was in Paul, First uh, um, Corinthians chapter 11. That was going to be the original message for tonight, but you're welcome to read it. Um, it talks about head coverings. It's it's great and weird, and as I was thinking through it, I was like, I just don't think that's the most helpful message for tonight. So, but in head coverings, what Paul is doing there, and you're welcome to read it on your own, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, is Paul is removing obstacles, because what, what were happening is you would have people that were, um, so, like the women were wearing, um, not wearing head coverings when culturally, like should have, and the men, like weren't, weren't, like weren't, it doesn't, it gets, it gets complicated and confusing. But the, the point here is this, is Paul is saying Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle. So whenever Paul's talking about head coverings, he's trying to remove any distraction from Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle. And he's talking to men and women about how to faithfully say Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle in a distraction-free way. And then Paul continues in the second half of chapter 11 where he starts talking about the Lord's Supper. See, and what was happening with the Lord's Supper is that people were putting hurdles because dinner costs money, so the rich people would pay for the dinner, right? And then the rich people also had houses to have the dinner. So the rich people, because they paid for the food and because they had the house, um, the rich people were off by themselves in this nice dining upper room eating the food, the Lord's Supper, together. And all the poor people had to eat outside in the courtyard. And Paul was saying, what are you doing? Like, don't do that. Oh, you, like, rich people, look. If you have, look, we all need to be eating together. What is Paul saying? He's like, hey, look, the gospel says that Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle. So let's, let's not add social class as an unnecessary hurdle to people coming to know Jesus and the gospel. You guys tracking with me? Okay, and then he goes into chapter 12, right? And then what was happening was people were starting to speak in tongues. And then it goes very, and even though he talks about tongues in chapter 12 and again in chapter 14, um, people were using tongues in a very disorderly, chaotic way, not elevating Jesus as Lord. So whenever he's saying, um, even the verse that we read in verse 3 where he says, um, um, I, Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit, so he's talking about people that are speaking in tongues, ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So he's like, hey, look, even in gifts that exist, right, we have to say that Jesus is Lord and keep the primary thing, the primary thing, and not cause confusion and not cause separation in social class and not cause distraction as we're saying Jesus is Lord. So again, big idea for tonight, Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle, right? Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle. And when, with that, we could remove unnecessary hurdles between people and God. Um, I got to go, I had the opportunity back when, uh, when I was 26, about, excuse me, it's about six years ago now, um, to go to Europe. And it was awesome because I'd never been to Europe before. Uh, has anybody been to Europe? 
few of us, woo, yeah, yeah. You're like, go oh, Europe. I don't know. I'm not, I don't care. I'm not European. Uh, but it was cool. It was cool going and like just getting the opportunity to get to go because not everybody gets that opportunity. So I was just really grateful like for the opportunity to get to go. And um, actually I went to, so when I was there like in Europe, I actually got to go to Paris, right? And in Paris, so I was like doing like the most like French thing ever. Like I went to the Louvre in the morning and then I like sat at a park and ate a baguette while I'm staring at the Statue of Liberty on the park bench. Like it was, it, it was incredible. Right? Did y'all know that the Statue of Liberty was a gift from France here in the United States? Okay, and, there, and there's also another one in the park in France. Y'all know this? Y'all know this, some of you? Okay. So I'm staring at the Statue of Liberty, um, but while I'm there, I'm like, hey, you know what? It would be really cool to experience church. Like, what is church like in Europe? I don't know. Like, I, I've heard a few things, but I would love to experience it myself. So, so I go, and I'm sitting, um, you know, so I'm on my phone, and then I find that there's actually an international English-speaking church because I don't speak French, um, English-speaking church, um, just a few blocks away. So I go, and they had an afternoon service, and it was awesome, like, and I just loved getting to, like, experience, like, church in, in France. And this, the message series was so interesting to me, um, because what they talked about was faith and science. And it wasn't just, like, a one-off message. Like, they did, like, an entire, like, message series just faithfully and carefully walking through the integration of faith in science, and it was like, and afterward, like, I asked, I was like, hey, like, is that, is like a thing, like, oh, yeah, man, like, Europeans, like, that's the thing that they really get, one of the things that they really get caught up on when it comes to Christianity is they just can't reconcile that, just having blind faith that rejects science, they can't just, they can't subscribe to that, so what we do is we want to remove that hurdle and to be able to speak to it, to say, hey, look, we can continue having conversations of faith and science, and you can be a Christian without, and still be a scientist, right? You can. And we want to help people be able to understand that so that people can come to know Jesus. Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle, right? They were removing hurdles so people could come to know Jesus, right? Um, as well as, um, you know, I meet, y'all guys know this, I meet with a lot of you one-on-one. Uh, -on -one, and sometimes in these one-on-one -on -one settings, um, here's what, somebody is incredibly brave, incredibly brave. And then they share with me that they have same-sex attraction. Right? And then they're just like waiting, for, waiting to see like how, how I respond. Like, is, like, I just told them that. Is that, a, is that okay? And I typically say like, wow, like, thank you so much for sharing. That was really strong and brave of you because I know like you don't tell that to everybody and it's still something that you're, you're starting to kind of tell people and, and get out there. So thank you that you've included me as um, one of the people that you want to share this with as you're starting now um, on this journey in a public way. Right? And, and the question is always, hey, um, does, does like, does, like, are God and I, can we still be cool? Like, does God love me? Like, how does First Orlando feel about me now? Like, I told you, you're a pastor. Like, how do you feel about me now? Like, is, is this a safe place? Like, can I, can I come? Can I not come? And, and it's always the same answer. It was like, hey, man, Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle. Do you believe Jesus is Lord? Yes. Okay. Do you believe that he died for your sins? Yes. Okay. And you have same-sex attraction? Yes. Great. Hey, well, how about this? How about we continue just being Christians and loving each other, and you keep coming to the table, and we'll keep hanging out. And if you want to, as much as you want to, we're, we'll keep talking about your same-sex attraction if you want to continue having that conversation. They say, really? I'm like, yeah. We love you, man. We love that you're here. Wow. Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle, right? And in the same way, too, man, a lot of people um, experience a lot, have experienced a lot of church hurt, right? Maybe that's part of your story. Um, where you've experienced a lot of church hurt. And like you went to church before and you just had a really terrible experience and really just had very incredibly sinful things done against you um, by church people. And now 
um, it's really difficult for you to consider church and church people in Jesus, and it starts kind of getting all really meshed up together and become this really messy ball altogether because of the experience that you had and people were saying they were Christians, people saying that they love Jesus, but here they are like doing these things and having just a really hurtful experience to you, right? And, and why I love Jesus as Lord is the only hurdle because it doesn't excuse the sinful behavior that you've experienced by church people. But here's what it does. It helps us remember that church people are not Jesus. And Jesus loves us. And Jesus cares for us. And yes, there's a broken world that we live in that we have to navigate through and we have the healing that we need to experience. But what we can do is we can still proclaim the name of Jesus. So we can say Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle. Because even messy church, right, in the name of the series, messy church, even the messiest of churches does not need to be a hurdle for us to have a relationship with Jesus. You guys tracking with me? Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle, right? So I love, in Romans 10, 9, Paul says this, where he says, um, uh, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit, right? No, I'm sorry, I read the wrong verse. Whoopsies. <laughs> Romans 10, that was not right. I didn't even check the, okay, I was like, I don't think that's right. Here we go, Romans 10, 9. Romans 10, 9, here we go. Because... If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, look, Christianity does not equal Jesus is Lord plus a secondary issue. Christianity equals Jesus is Lord and believing in the resurrection of Jesus, right? So let's not elevate secondary issues. Now, now, I, I saw, I saw y'all's faces a few minutes ago. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me talk to you guys for a second. Look, we talk through secondary issues with people. We do. Don't think we don't. We do, one-on-one. -on -one. But what, whenever we talk to people, we make sure that it remains secondary, not primary. We navigate secondary. We want to. Secondary issues are incredibly important to navigate, to find hope and healing in Jesus. We need to navigate through secondary issues. But we make sure when we talk to people, that we keep primary, primary, that Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle, and there is not a single secondary issue that we're going to elevate to be the same as Jesus is Lord and believing in the resurrection, right? Because here's what this does, right? Because then people are like, wait, you mean I don't have to have all the answers before I can be a Christian? We're like, no. You mean all these other questions that I have and obstacles and hurdles and what I've heard about Christians, you mean that doesn't need to be a thing? We're like, hey, look, we can navigate that later. Here's the primary thing. That Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle. You don't have to have every single question answered in order to follow Jesus. Just start following Jesus and be baptized and live a life to where, you know what Lord means? Lord means that he is Lord. He's in charge. We submit every area of our life to Jesus, right? We don't get to do whatever we want to do willy-nilly and it doesn't matter anymore. No, no, no. We're saying, hey, look, Jesus is Lord of my life. And the, the, the only obstacle to get to God was saying that I'm going to submit my life to Jesus and I'm going to subscribe my life to Jesus and Jesus is going to tell me what's ultimately going to bring me satisfaction and healing and hope, right? But I also know that in my growth sanctification process, it's a process and I'm not going to have every single thing figured out right at the beginning. So whenever we say that Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle for people to God, we're saying, hey, look, there are a lot of secondary things that you're going to journey on. But we're saying at the beginning, it's primary. Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle. Okay, number two. 
What about this? See, what Jesus Lord is the only hurdle. It also does this. It removes hurdles between Christians. It removes hurdles between Christians. So you guys aren't going to believe this, um, but I picked the Calvinist camp when I was 19. Right? So, right? so for me, I'm like, Calvinism, yeah. So then what I started doing, right, in my life group, and then I tried to convince the entire life group, like, y'all need to be Calvinists too. And they're like, we don't know. And like, ah, oh, forget you. I'm going to go convert other people to Calvinism. Woo! So I go across campus on this rampage, right, trying to convince people uh, to, to, to be Calvinists. Right? You're not going to believe this. I didn't make a lot of friends <laughs> doing that, right? So then people were like, well-meaning Christians, but they're just like, Isaac, I love you, man. I just disagree with you. And it's like, how can you disagree with me? I'm 100% right, and you're 100% wrong. And they're like, hey, Isaac, like, I think you need to calm, calm down a little bit. Because here's typically what happens. Because uh, when people get really passionate about a new idea, about a new secondary issue, they start making, elevating it primary. And then they take the secondary thing, and these are all the conversations that they have all the time. You've experienced this in group. You've experienced this with Christians, to where somebody has taken a secondary thing, and that's all they want to talk about, right? And you're like, hey, look, I'm happy to have the conversation, but can we first agree that Jesus is Lord, right? And they're like, yeah, 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 but really, if you really understood Jesus as Lord, then you would agree with me on the secondary thing, right? And we're saying, I don't know if that's true, right? Because there's, there's freedom in secondary issues. So what I was doing and what some of us tend to do is we make secondary issues primary. And what it does is it creates hurdles between people. I love what St. Augustine of Hippo says where he says this. He says, um, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Let me say this again. In essentials, he's talking about these are the primary things. In the primary things, Christians, us Christians, in the primary things, excuse me, we need to have liberty, right? Sorry, we need to have unity, right, where we're unified together, agreeing that Jesus is Lord. And the non-essentials, these are the secondary things. Hey, there's liberty. There's freedom. We can agree, and we can agree to disagree. We can disagree on things, on the secondary things, and still have unity on the primary things. And that's okay. We can do that. We can be brother and sisters in Christ. And in all things, with Christians and with non-Christians, we need to be, have charity and be gracious, and we love people, and we serve people, regardless. We lay our preferences down. We live Christ crucified. Everything we've been talking about in the series so far, that's just who we are as Christians. So even whenever people disagree with us, Christians or non-Christians, it doesn't matter, because we, like Jesus, crucify ourselves to love and to serve other people in charity. All right? So as we're wrapping up here, here are some, because I want to help us navigate some possible secondary conversations, right? I want to help us navigate some possible secondary conversations. There's a lot of secondary conversations that you have had or may have, right? And maybe as I list things, you're like, I don't care about that at all. Do I need to care about that? And I'm saying, not really. Because <laughs> typically with secondary conversations, you'll get obsessive about one thing for a while, and then you move on to another thing and maybe get obsessive about that for a while. And maybe one thing you stay, like, really passionate for a very long time because it's just kind of a part, a core of who you are, and that's just kind of the, the, the life that you live, right? And we're saying, hey, look, do you need to care about secondary issues? Not necessarily. But if your friend is having a conversation, right, and you want to engage in conversation, that may, that may um, spark curiosity in order to learn more. So even as we start with some possible secondary conversations, um, I want us to start said it probably a thousand times already. That's high. I haven't said not said it a thousand times. But Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle. So we can have unity around primary things 
and we also have freedom to disagree. But even in our disagreement, it doesn't need to hurt the relationship. We can have unity over the primary things and disagreement over the secondary things. So here are just some questions that may come up as secondary issues, right? Here's a question. How should Christians engage in culture? How should Christians engage in culture? And here's what I mean by that. Um, Back in 2020, I don't know if you guys remember, um, there was a death of George Floyd. And with the death of George Floyd, um, it brought up it brought up uh, Breonna Taylor, it brought up Ahmaud Arbery, it brought up Trayvon Martin, it brought up other people who had died at the hands of police. And Christians responded very differently to that. See, some Christians, right, in support um, with a lot of their black friends, went out and protested in the streets and posted Black Lives Matter, right? And other Christians were like, have you researched Black Lives Matter? That is not a good organization. That does not stand for Jesus. I can't believe you as a Christian would post Black Lives Matter. And Christians are like now arguing back and forth with each other around this cultural engaging culture and how to engage in culture and how much do we engage in culture and like do we, do we love our black friends? Like I can't believe, you know, and then it's all, this conversation, I mean, you guys experienced this. This is just a couple years ago. It happened last year as well. Um, even here we had um, one of the Magic players, Jonathan Isaac, while all this is going on, you know, his entire team kneels. And he stood in the middle of a game, right, as a response to this. And then we even had him here at First Orlando, like, to share his story. And when we had him here at First Orlando to share his story, you know, the whole room was going, yeah! But I looked around the room, not everybody was clapping. See, because some people were like, man, I just, he should not have stood. He should have kneeled in solidarity with his team, right? And I had conversations after that service behind the scenes with people, right? And and here's my point in saying this, is how should Christians engage in culture? I, I don't know. But as we have these conversations with our friends, right, we have the freedom to have conversations. And even if you don't land in the same place with someone else on the secondary issue, we can still have unity in the gospel of Jesus while we disagree on secondary things on how to engage in in culture, right? Does that make sense? Okay, here's here's another question, right? Here's another question. Hey, what about um, how do Christians engage in gender and roles? Ooh, just light conversations tonight. This is fun. <laughs> How do Christians engage in gender and roles? Here's, here's what I mean by that. I mean, um, so in church worlds, if you've been in church worlds for a while, um, uh, there's a, a sentiment around that, like, men have all the power and all the authority, right, and have all the power positions like pastors and speakers and preachers and leaders, and women have to be incredibly quiet and submissive, right, and don't speak, right, and, and then they start um, getting quoted, like First Timothy, where Paul's saying, like, I do not permit a woman to speak, right, and these people are like, yeah, that's right, women, you need to be quiet, and they're like, Ugh! right, so then some women react very strongly against that, you're like, what do you mean, like, I love Jesus, I want to lead, I have all this gifting, right, and then, like, I don't, like, I don't, you know, I think, I don't know if men can only be pastors, I think there's some wiggle room there, right, and then you talk to other Christians and affirm that there is actually some, some wiggle room within that, and you see this on the screen, um, it's complementarianism, kind of one camp, egalitarianism, you're welcome to research that later, is, is another camp, right, and people just start disagreeing, and even in groups themselves, women themselves will disagree on this issue, like, this isn't like men versus women, or not. Like, even women themselves, some will be like, hey, you're a woman, so you have to be egalitarian and believe that women can be pastors and leaders too. And some women are like, I just don't know if I believe that, right? And, and my, my, my point, and men, the same thing, but my point here in saying this, is, hey, look, you can be a Christian and be a complementarian. 
You can be a Christian and be an egalitarian. This is a secondary issue that we can have healthy conversations around, but we do not need to divide over, right? Um, so uh, how should Christians engage in gender and roles um, is, that, is that question. Here's, here's a third one. Um, uh, how should Christians engage in spiritual gifts, right? How should Christians engage in spiritual gifts? This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14, right? Because some Christians are like, spiritual gifts, woo! Like all the, all the miracle gifts and the signs and prophecy and speaking in tongues and miracles and healing. They're like, yes, we want more. We want more. Holy Spirit, send your rain down. Send your fire down. We're praying for a double portion. And I grew up charismatic, so I grew up in this, right? So like, yes, Jesus, Holy Spirit, woo, right? And then other people, and I was talking, actually talking to a friend of mine who also grew up incredibly charismatic, said, you know what? I've seen a lot of hurt and a lot of fakeness in that. I just don't believe that anymore. I believe actually in cessationism. It's where all the miracle signs and the prophecies and the tongues have stopped. So I don't, and people that are speaking in tongues, I just think they're faking it every time, right? So how should Christians engage in spiritual gifts, right? So my point, I hope I was, I hope I was, my aim is I was fair um, in just in how, answering these three, and I was trying to stay balanced in each of these three. Um, do I have an opinion on things? Sure. Um, do I want to state my opinion now? Not at all. <laughs> be, mainly because I'm, I'm happy, I'm not trying to be like secretive or deceptive, or, but my, my point in saying this is like, I'm trying to be fair to say like, hey, look, you can be a Christian and agree on primary things and disagree on secondary things. And this is why I love First Orlando so much. Because at First Orlando, we have people, pastors and people and staff members and all this stuff, that will answer each of these three questions very, very differently. And that's okay. Because we have unity in Jesus. Because Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle. So if you have questions, um, don't stop asking questions. All right, even as we're saying, um, you know, Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle and what's primary, don't stop asking questions, trying to figure out when you get curious about secondary things. Pursue it. Have conviction about it. Have passion about it, right? Be, have conviction on what you believe with these secondary things. Just knowing that sometimes around secondary things, your position may change because it's secondary, and that's okay. But as you're exploring it, you actually get to learn more of who God is and exploring it. And I actually love this website. I'm called gotquestions.org because it has um, on here so many questions to answers that you may have both about primary things and about secondary things. So if you're curious on just learning more and asking questions, keep asking questions. And I just, I love this website, gotquestions.org. And it's helpful um, in answering questions, right? So one more time, the St. Augustine of Pippo says this, in essentials, unity, and non-essentials, liberty, and all things, charity, right? And the big idea for the hundredth time, uh, Jesus is Lord is the only hurdle. So let's remove hurdles from people coming to Jesus, and let's remove hurdles between ourselves as we talk about important but secondary things, right? That's my heart for you, is that we can be unified in who Jesus is. And I can't think of a better way, and we can have the band come out, I can't think of a better way to be unified in the symbol of what Paul talks about in the second half of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where he talks about the Lord's Supper. And I, tonight, at the bottom of your seats, um, there's a cup and there's a bread, and I would love for us to be able to participate in the Lord's Supper together as a sign of unity. Uh, the band's coming out, and we're going to have music um, start going. But here's what I want to do as we're going to set this up. Um, 
I don't know how this message, I kind of saw your faces a little bit, but I don't know exactly how this message hit you or resonated with you. Um, but here's what I want to do tonight. Um, I want to give you freedom to be able to just kind of respond and explore. So even if you, you're welcome to stay seated as you take the cups, if you just want to kind of go in the back, if you want to go around the room, um, we can bring the, the house lights down. And here's what I want to do is I just want to be able to have freedom um, as we just kind of sit and explore, like how do we wrestle with primary issues and secondary issues in our lives? How do we wrestle with it um, with our friends? So if you have there, you're welcome to stay seated. You're welcome to go around um, whatever you want to do. I just would love to spend a moment just be able to take the Lord's Supper um, together. Um, so just in reflection, I'm just going to be quiet. I've been talking a lot tonight. I'm going to be quiet for a second so we can just sit and be still before Jesus as we reflect on what does Jesus being completely in charge of our life and knowing that the hurdle that we had of our brokenness and sinfulness, he broke that hurdle because he loves us. What does that mean to us? So I just want us to think and process and reflect on that um, just for a few seconds. Um, just in, um, band's going to keep going, but no singing quite yet. Um, just as we, as we process and reflect. your communion elements. I'm going to read here out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 where Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and he writes, For I received from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You guys can take the bread eat it and reflect on the body broken for us. In verse 25, in the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus, we're so grateful for you and your life and your death and your burial resurrection, Jesus, and because of your resurrection, God, we have new life. God, you've done something new within us. God, and as this new thing, God, I pray, God, that you give us your spirit to point us toward you, Jesus, as our Lord and as our Savior. Father, and I'm praying as well as we're navigating this life in you, whether it's a new life, whether it's a life that we've been tracking on for a long time, following you, God, that we can say Jesus is Lord. 
how that remained the only hurdle in our lives from you, from each other. God, I'm praying for supernatural Holy Spirit unity, God, in this room right now, that regardless of whatever secondary issue that we may be have questions around or struggling with or conversating about or discussing with our friends and with our life group, God, God, we know that we have unity in you, Jesus, and you make us one. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand, we're going to sing.